Pulp MX Network Production. Pulp MX fans, we're 550 plus shows and counting thanks to your support of our sponsors. Get the Pulp MX app for iOS and Android today. Save money with discount code PULPMX at BTOsports.com and click the Amazon banner on PULPMX.com for all other online purchases. It's the BTOsports.com Steve Mathis Show, presented by Fox Racing on RacerXOnline.com. The original Moto Podcast, featuring legends of the past, stars of today, season previews and race reviews, introspection, opinion, facts, and laughs. Here's your host, Steve Mathis. Welcome to the BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Thank you, everybody, for tuning in. Appreciate it. BTOsports.com. Use the code PulpMX when you're checking out to save yourself money with those guys. Anything you need for your bike or body, BTOsports.com has it. Of course, uh, Millsap Shorty Brayton on the BTO Sports KTM team. BTOsports.com. Serving the sport well. I just made that up right now. Right now. Um, so thanks, everybody, for listening. Use the code PulpMX when you're checking out. And uh, great great. Uh, mobile website, OEM parts, btosports.com. They've got it. Everything you need. Fox Racing, foxhead.com, the global innovation motor car, leader in motocross racewear. Flex Air 2016, Flex Air gear out now. And uh, of course, we know this being Fox, there'll be there's some probably real cool retro stuff and some new colors coming up right around the corner. Come Anaheim, foxheadracing.com. If your local dealer doesn't carry Fox Racing, go to foxhead.com or just get a new dealer because they got to carry Fox. All right, people, appreciate it. Appreciate listening. I'm Steve Mathis. With me on the line, uh, a guy that delivers a daily dose of moto goodness on uh, Twitter and Instagram, uh, a fan of the sport, and uh, now going to be a new Project Bike uh, owner uh, very shortly here when he gets it done. And also, too, employee at PulpMX.com. So a uh, man of uh, many jobs. Tony Blazer, what's up, Blaze? How are you? I'm well, thanks, Steve. Thanks for having me on. What do you do for a real job for people who don't know? What's your real job? Not pulp a mix because I, I pay you a ton, but you know, just not quite <laughs> enough to live on. Almost, almost. Right, I'm right, still saving right. for that Jamaican trip. Um, I, I, as a day job, I actually work for a Chevrolet dealership. I'm the general sales manager at a Chevrolet dealership in New Jersey, outside mm-hmm. of Princeton. But you live down in D.C., Maryland. I do. I've been making the commute from uh, D.C. to New Jersey uh, twice a week for the last three years. Oh, it's crazy. It's not fun. It's not good. No. Well, you know, thankfully, I got great stuff to listen to, like the Pulp and Next show. It makes my drive go faster. Oh, thanks. The raise is coming. Um, yeah, yeah. just growing up, I think you're a lot like me in a sense. Uh, you're you're you know just a real big fan of the sport. Uh, obviously, you rode and raced forever. Uh, went to the Buds Creek National forever. Um, you know, just following the sport passionately. And somewhere along the line, social media and Tony Blazer met up and You've got this, and I've got a big collection of magazines. You've been over here before. You've seen the collection of magazines. I have MXA and Dirt Bike, but you have probably what I have, maybe double. Um, you just seem to collect every single magazine um, through your childhood and, and all the way through. And then you start scanning articles, scanning photos, putting them up online. And next thing you know, People are digging it. People are really loving it. And it's, you know, it's memories. It takes us back. Everybody remembers a photo, a rider, a particular bike or whatever. And um, got yourself a nice little niche. If only you could try to make some money from uh, people who view the Instagram, Blaze. 
you know, funny, a buddy of mine at, uh, at work uh, always says that. Uh, he'll he'll ask me how many followers I have, and I'll tell him, oh, I got like 20,000, 30, whatever. And he goes, and those are all paying customers, right? And he goes, uh, no. Yeah, exactly, uh, <laughs> right? If anybody's in Jersey yeah. and needs a truck, go 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 visit Blazer's dealership. I appreciate that. You know, you uh, Nash actually um, is very close to us. He actually comes in all the time. It's kind of a coincidence. <laughs> why am I not? Su- why am I not surprised? <laughs> Nash, uh, gentleman Nash, coming in, and uh, you know, I mean, is there? Have you gone to English Town to see if there's anything for Wygant put up, uh, like a flagging uh, Hall of Fame or anything? You know, the funny thing is, I think I'm only about 15 minutes away from English Town, but when I'm at work up there in Jersey, I work like uh, 12 hour days every day. I'm there, open to close. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I can come home on the weekend. So I really don't have any time to ride. I, I'm not far away, but right. you know, it's unfortunately like Nash has even invited me to go riding a couple of times. But you know, to keep a happy wife, happy life. I come home on the weekend, so I can't yeah. really stay up there on the weekend. And then you're like Nash. I don't want to hear about Phil Lawrence again. I just don't want to hear <laughs> any more about Factory Phil. Absolutely, he definitely is a Factory Phil stalker. He's um, a nice guy, but. So yeah, you're just you post different things up. Uh, you, you got a good scanner, and so have you ever been tempted to throw those magazines away? Like, obviously, you're pretty pumped that, you, that you've kept them all these years. Man, I tell you what, it's before I started doing this. Before I started working for you, maybe five years ago, um, I actually tempted to give them all away. I was going to, um, and then it's like one thing led to another. I started getting into listening to your podcast, and it, that's what got me started on putting stuff up on YouTube. And then, then I said, well, you know what, maybe I'll go through these magazines and uh, post them for people to see and stuff. Mm -hmm. And just, it kind of snowballed, you know, and then um, I, I I did almost get rid of them. I'm glad I didn't though. Yeah, no doubt. Um, You ever gotten some flack from the magazine guys for reposting stuff and all that? Cause I I got it a little bit. Like I, I scanned articles for pulp for a long time and kind of ran out of a desire to do it, to be honest. But um I got a couple of photographers come back at me and be like, "Hey, that's my photo," and I'm like, "Okay, all right, no problem. You can have your credit uh, that I, you know, scanned MXA from 1988." But uh, how are guys with that? With that, with you, uh, is is it a problem I, ever? I have had that happen a couple of times. Like you know, especially early on. You know, when I was scanning them, I was scanning them just for myself, mm-hmm. um, just to have them because I. I have, you know, literally, I don't know, thousands of magazines. I have every motocross magazine going back to like the early 70s, you know, and mm-hmm. it's stacks and stacks of them. And I try to find something and, you know, whatever, for whatever reason, I'd be like, I have to dig through 50 of them. And I'm like, I said, why don't you actually just scan them? So I wasn't putting down who the photo was by right. or like yeah. in my computer, it doesn't say it. I just know. And originally I just had them. I didn't even have them separated by year or ride or anything. It was just a, thousands of photographs. And then I started Build, putting them into folders so I could find things. And then, you know, at that time when I started doing this, there really wasn't even Twitter or any of that stuff out there. So it wasn't for anybody but mm-hmm. me. And then, yes, yeah, so I, I did start posting some of them. And, and at first, you know, nobody's looking. But then now I have a lot of people who follow the stuff I do. So then you start getting, you know, once you start getting a little bit more attention with that comes scrutiny. And I've had, um, uh, you know, a couple of guys give me a hard time. And I really try to go out of my way now. I've actually gone back and tried to figure out who yeah. shot each photo. And I, even when they give me a hard time, I said, okay, I'm not trying to yeah. you know, step on your toes. And here's the thing, like motocross action and dirt bike, 90% of the time they don't put a photo credit in it. No. You know, Dirt Rider is pretty good about it. Transworld always says, but especially the old magazines. Yeah, the old ones, say. yeah. Well, honestly, though, like 
this the stuff is great like to me like it's a trip down memory lane these we all own these magazines we were just, in your case still own them and they're great memories and these racers never get talked about these old racers nobody gives a shit for the most part you know uh, i try to help that you try to help that but like if these magazines aren't going to give a shit and post their own stuff then leave it to tony blazer it's good stuff that's, you know i mean that's the way i feel about it. i'm not trying to um you know, not trying to step on anybody's toes, but you can't Google like a Jim Holly picture from 1985, you know, and yeah. a Harley Davidson. It's not there. So that's why I said, hey, I have all this great stuff. I want to share my passion for the sport mm-hmm. with other people. And, and that's just the root of it, you know, and I can understand, you know. Somebody being offended if I was trying to, you know, steal like, like money if, off like, it or whatever. Yeah, I mean, you're, you're trying, like, if you're making money off it or you're claiming y- it was you or whatever, you know? Right. Hey, I didn't, sh- I, I, don't, I'm, I don't say, hey, I shot the picture. I'm not selling t shirts with the photograph of it on it. <laughs> yeah, That's yeah. not what yeah. I'm trying to do. Right. You know? So. Yeah, no, I, I, exactly. You're just trying to, like, bring good memories, good vibes, and, uh, you know, I mean, some people I've seen on social media that some people think that you shot it or whatever, but you can't help that. It's not like you're claiming it. You know what I mean? It's just right. social media people. But yeah, you're just trying to like celebrate this stuff and celebrate these photos, these bikes, these riders. And, you know, I don't know. I just feel like like MXA should do something. They should do what, you know, what you're doing. They don't, you know. So um, I found when I was doing it, too, I, I bucked up and bought like a three or $350 scanner. It made a world of difference. It definitely helps. This, yeah, because early on I wasn't doing, uh, you know, wasn't doing a real high res, and then I've gone back now and and rescanned some of the ones I really like, and mm-hmm. I got good at Photoshop and Lightroom and all these programs to try and bring the photos back, especially the older magazines. The um, the papers yellowed over the years; mm-hmm. and it looks like hell. Um, <laughs> and I've gotten pretty damn good at. Uh, uh, you know, bringing them back to where they still look pretty good. It's actually a lot of fun. I, I enjoy doing it. You know, it's mm-hmm. fun for me finding this stuff and sharing it with people. I love when you post something cool and it gets a lot of, you know, little interaction yeah. for people. It just, it's gratifying in that way, you know? I'll tell you what, the other day, the other day, I, I just, I just I wanted to jump off a cliff because, well, I didn't want to jump off a cliff, but I, I went and I was watching a playoff hockey game from 1987 on my NHL app um, while I was reading old magazines at my desk here and then i after the game i went and like grabbed a bunch of stack magazines and brought them to bed read them in bed you know and i'm just like i gotta get a life i really gotta get a life <laughs> like i'm i'm so stuck i i probably had 5150 playing in the background you know but just like my life is just stuck in this mid-80s thing god i'm a loser I, there are issues i'm the same way there are issues of especially from the heyday of motocross action which to me the the magazine was the best in like the mid 80s to mid 90s that 10 year window where they were like oh you don't really, think it's really the, you don't think it's the best now <laughs> uh, well if you're into like uh you know two strokes i guess and uh, yeah. beating a dead horse but um I've read those issues. I swear to God, I've read some of them 50 times. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. For sure. Easily. Easily. And the ads, like the ads, too. Like, they're just epic Fox ads, JT ads. A time when, you know, people, that was what the only link you had to motocross was that. And and I remember checking 7-Eleven two, three times a day and uh, asking the clerk, the magazines come in, the magazines come in, you know. Um, It's crazy. Uh, me too. I'm the same way. Yeah. You know, talking about like getting grief, I will say this, like I have had something like Chris Holtner mm-hmm. um, and some guys like used to shoot for MXA 
have actually reached out to me and been very nice and said, hey, you know, I've lost all this stuff. I don't have access to it, and it's great yeah. to see it, and I'm, I'm glad. So I have got some positive feedback. Not everybody has yeah, sour yeah. grapes about it, but there's some there's um, some guys out there. One of the guys, Jim Galliganis. Yeah, Galliganis or whatever, yeah. I, I, I know he's given a bunch of people heat, and, you know, I've heard from him on one deal. It, it's definitely – there are a few people out there who are – they're not doing anything with it. These photos are not available, but apparently they don't want anybody else to see them either. So yeah. it's just kind of the way it is, you know? Yeah, no, it is. And, 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 you know, it really like MXA, like Cycle News Archives, MXA should scan these things and put them in and charge people. And, and you know, and uh, maybe there'll be a new Absolutely. revenue source, you know? Um, they're really good, though, and it's interesting to see the different different stuff and, and everything else. So good job on that. Well, thank you. Um your classic steel column on Pulp MX. Uh, it's well done, well researched. Uh, it takes a while for you to do one of these, huh? Yeah, it does. I, I spend you know several weeks, you know, probably on each one, you know, re- between researching it because I, I've gone through and, you know, as I talked to you at one point about, you know, maybe posting some of these old classic tests for people. You know, same mm-hmm. thing. Here's restoring, like I'd like to do. If I have a 1990 CR, it's a great resource. That guess what? I have all the magazines from 1990. Yeah. Go back and see what they did to them, what what was the hot setup, what the jetting was. It would be nice. You know, and again, you don't find this stuff. It's not readily. You can't go to MXA like you can with Cycle News and, right. and see this stuff. And it, it, I have it. So I go back and I've, I've gone through and I've scanned um, these tests. So whenever I do a classic steel, I have the, the shootouts and the tests from that bike from all the magazines of that year. And I try to get some photos together and, mm-hmm. you know, I, I really enjoy it. It's a lot of work. Um, but I want it to be thorough cause you know, it's, I want that stuff to be accessible to people. You know, if somebody wants to restore a KX like you did, it's nice that they can go see, Hey, what, what, what did they do with that bike? What was it known for? What was yeah. it good for? And, um, it's a lot of work, but I really enjoy it, you know? Um, yeah, no, they're good stuff. People got to check them out. Classic steel on pulpamex.com. How do you decide which bike you want to profile? How, how does that work? I mean, for a long time we had gotten some photos from the big through prim and, uh, I said, Hey, why don't you profile these bikes? I think, was that my idea? I don't even know, but, um, it was, yep. Yeah. And so I said, profile these bikes, you know, I knew you were good at it, but now we're sort of out of those photos. Uh, how do you decide now which ones you want to do? Well, you know, I spend a lot of time combing for uh, clean photographs of the bikes. The main thing I look for when I'm doing one is um, obviously I can get some information on the bike because uh, I still have a lot of the prim ones, but I don't have information for him. He had a lot of weird, like mm-hmm. a Nelly and, a, and a, all these strange bikes that, you know, nobody tested and I can't get any information for. So that, that kind of stinks. But the I went through and I, I found over time, you know, the, the bike shots in the magazines or brochures. I've, I also collected the brochures over the years and I go through and um, I want to be able to visually tell it because obviously. Yeah, hold on a second. Hold on um, a second. How'd you get these brochures? Like obviously the dealers, but why would you, I mean, we had them too, I think growing up, but you're just a pack rat blazer. The, the brochures are gnarly. Every, yeah. <laughs> every year, every year I would go to the bike shops and I would get the brochures. But even if you weren't even interested in, bu- even if you weren't interested in buying them or anything, you would just get them. Oh yeah. I, I just, I just loved everything about motocross. My, I didn't even own a motocross bike until I was like 18. My dad would not, unlike yours, my dad wouldn't let me have one. Oh really? Um, so I, I didn't have a mini bike as a kid. I wanted them and I used to go get the brochures and you know, I, I wanted the YZ with the big number one on the front, but my dad was like, no, you're going to kill yourself. No, no, no. <laughs> and, um, so I had to wait till I was like, you know, in high school and I could buy it myself 
and I, I finally got my first bike. Uh, my first real motocross bike was like a, a 78 Elsinore, but it was like 10 years old at that point. Um, that was kind of like my introduction to it. But um, I, I just loved reading about the bikes and dreaming about the bikes. And mm-hmm. um, I had, I didn't have the four. I mean, obviously I had no foresight that, Hey, someday I would, um, you know, want to do anything with it. There wasn't even internet then, but um, for whatever reason, I stuck them in a box and I have hundreds of brochures going back to the seventies as well. That's, that's so nuts. That, that's yeah. Like, the brochures were cool though. They were cool. Oh yeah. I, I tell you, I still like, I'm always scouring. Um, I spend way more money um, on the, the classic steel stuff than, than I get back for sure. Cause I, I'm always constantly scouring, uh, like eBay for some brochure. Uh, I just picked up some cool ones from uh, Japan on the 86 Kawasaki's cause I'd like to write up a classic steel on the Kawasaki, but right. it's hard to find any information on them. You know, there's no right. great pictures, but it's got some great, like in this case, what I like for those are they have like the technical drawings. They'll show how the kips worked or mm-hmm. how the HPP valve worked. And I think that that's what adds a little more like depth and flavor to the articles I write in that I can, I can show you uh, a little more than just a static photo from you know, like, you know, Google or something. I can get into, Hey, yeah. this is how this worked. And, and, yeah. and that stuff is found in those brochures where the, you know, obviously they're trying to sell you on the stuff when it was new and they're telling you about the new Delta link or the this <laughs> or the that. Um, yeah. And it's like a treasure trove. Whenever I find this, I was like, "Oh man, score!" You know, it's awesome. <laughs> um, yeah, the uh, the classic steel column is is really well done, and like I said, adding those brochures in is is something else. Um, one of my favorite things I've done. You remember those "Tell Us a Story" articles? I should need yep. do. I should do more of them. I just don't. I don't know. I don't. I don't know. I should do more of them. But anyways, the one I the uh, I took a dirt bike magazine with the eighty five YZ one twenty five on it. And called my dad and called my brother, who just, I was 13, 14, my brother's 17, had that thing, and it just kept blowing up. And they were, I learned new curse words as a youngster, Uh, you know, the bike was slow, it was just terrible. And I took the cover of that dirt bike that said it was, you know, they're testing it, and then called both of them, and they went through the litany of problems they had with it. It was just a dud bike. Um, Terrible. Yeah. What's funny, too, like, when you go back... Like people are lucky nowadays. There, it's a cliche, but it is true. There really aren't too many bad bikes. The really last shitty bike was probably that 250F Suzuki and Cowie in 06, 05, whatever that is. I don't think there's been another, you know, universally crappy bike. Back, but back in the 80s, there were there were bikes that were way worse than other ones and uh, and some of those ones that you profile i mean you know you throw some humor in there and also and then you talk about the different magazines and it's kind of funny there there, there were some really bad bikes back then it's funny you know it's um some of those things they were just terrible you know and i've owned some of those bikes i had an 85 yz and it was it was so terrible the the transmission didn't shift the forks were they were like marshmallow soft uh, it was just a terrible bike. It tried to buck you off. Anytime you hit a bump, the, it had the old Yamaha thing, and the thing would kick you in the rear and send you in a massive flying W. And then you got some guy on a Honda, and he's like, you know, the stock bike's almost like a works bike compared to that thing. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it was like a night and day difference. And you're right. It's like any of the bikes now, yeah, they're, maybe one's a little faster, one's a little slower. It's it, minor differences, you know. Yeah. It's not like back in the old days where, you know, you were on a CR and it had cartridge forks and uh bitching motor and then you're on an rm and the thing is like grenading every other race and the suspension's terrible and the bike is gutless 
you know, it's just people are spoiled, you know, back in the old days, you almost had to, you know, be a shade tree mechanic to try and fix all the stuff that was wrong before you could even race the thing, you know? Yeah. Did you, did you have a favorite classic steel? Um, I, I gotta be honest. The ones that I like the best are probably the ones I did. that were kind of a joke. I did a couple of April fools mm-hmm. ones. Um, and I, my wife was joking me or laughing at me because I was in here in my office writing it and I'm laughing out loud to myself. I just, I'm cracking myself up writing the dumb thing. And she's like, what are you laughing about? And I said, well, you know, it's, it's kind of stupid, but I'm laughing at my own, <laughs> my yeah. own jokes. So I, I had, I did one on the fat cat, which is a, um, a bike that infamously I did own. Dude, you owned a fat um, cat. What would possess you to buy cat. a fat cat? Uh, okay. Well, what, what possessed it was a, a neighbor of mine. Um, we all were you know, into riding and racing and stuff like that. And he bought a BW 200. The Yamaha um, right. came out with it. Yeah. And, and we, uh, like where I lived in Maryland, we had a motocross track and then we had a bunch of trails behind our house and stuff. We'd ride trails and stuff. And then, you know, the, the problem with the motocross bikes were loud and the neighbors would get pissed and stuff. But, you know, he had this BW and he could like, you know, stealth, we could ride at night. You could ride all over the place. So I said, oh my God, I, I need to get one of these dumb things. <laughs> and then Honda came out the year after the BW came out, Honda came out with one. And it had electric start, which the Yamaha did. It had a monoshock. I mean, it was like... I was like Typical oh, Honda just blowing cooler. everybody out of the water, too, by exactly. the way. Yeah, I thought this yeah. thing, oh, oh, I'm going to show my buddy on this stupid Yamaha with the dual shocks and the dumb stuff. I'm going to buy this thing. It's going to be badass. And he will, so he'll, you know, he'll rue the day I bought this thing. And I went to the uh, local Honda dealer. I bought one right off the showroom floor, brand new. <laughs> uh, had my mom co-sign with me on it. I was like, oh, I was so proud of this thing. I took it home. And I wrote it for 10 minutes, and I said, this is the biggest mistake of my entire life. <laughs> it was so bad. I mean, we had a little jump in my backyard. And this thing, I'm talking like a foot of air off this mm-hmm. thing. It was a little hump. We'd and they just out of they it. bounced forever. <laughs> it would. It, I swear to God, dude, I landed, and it knocked my goggles, came out of the, out of the helmet, and like were around my chin bar. <laughs> I smacked my head on the handlebar so hard when I landed. I was like, oh, my God, this uh, yeah. thing is going to kill me. It was so terrible i mean i mean it's funny now people look at them finally because it's kind of a you know it's like the people look at the three wheelers and think oh they were awesome but Mm -hmm. it was a death trap it was a death trap still you had a fat cat you bought it new that's something that's incredible did i did the thing is sad i I sold it for like half what i bought it for like six months afterwards and if i'd kept it all this time i could probably make four grand on it or something stupid yeah they only made them for a couple uh, years right it was 86 and 87 when the only years they made it. I guess I was one of the poor saps that bought it. Not many people did, I guess. My my buddy's dad owned a farm, and he had one uh, for farming more than anything, like to get out to his fields or whatever. And, uh, we, yeah, same thing. We would ride it. We're like, oh, my God, this is so cool. We rode it. And they're like, no, no, this is not cool. We're done. I don't know. I, I think I rode it for like 10 minutes. Same as you. And I'm just it, like, I'm, it, it, yeah, that, that's, it didn't turn. That front yeah. tire, the geometry was all messed up. It just plowed the front end. If you got the brakes wet, I almost killed myself one time. I went through a puddle and had these drum brakes, and they completely went away. You know, people who grew up on discs have no idea. In the old days, you know, you get a drum wet, a lot of times it would just wouldn't work. Mm-hmm. And the thing would, and there was no clutch. You would have manual clutch. So you couldn't really, you know, it was just terrible, <laughs> terrible bike. Some of these classic steels, guys have gotten a little upset in the comments section. Yeah, that, that's that's another funny thing that uh, it seems like some people maybe because they have a soft spot in their particular heart for it. I, I wrote yeah. one on a um, 
old Mako. And I mean, come on. I mean, there's a reason they called them Mako Breakos. They were cool bikes, but they're, they yeah. had issues with primary chains. And there was a lot of issues with them, especially in the seventies. The bikes were really kind of fixer up your deals and Holy crap. You know, you'd think I'd, uh, upset the international Mako society or something, you know, I get these angry comments and tweets and I'm an idiot. And I was like, Oh my God. <laughs> yeah. They've really reached out on you. They lashed out on you. I, the other one that got me a lot of heat was I, I wrote on the, uh, about the O one Cannondale, you know, an uh, infamous bike, that yeah. was, you know, right. terrible. And, and then to its credit, they did get a little better towards the end and the ATK bought them and they sorted out a lot of those issues, but it was never a good bike. But especially that first one had just all kinds of nightmare issues, and then you know these, they, you know they they lambast me about it like I have a personal vendetta, and it's like, well, I'm just telling you what, I'm telling you what people at the time said. Call I'm Je- not really, yeah. you know, call Jeff Gibson. Exactly, <laughs> <laughs> uh, he could finish a moto. Yeah, no, and that's just it too. You're not, you didn't ride one, you weren't there, but you're reading three or four people that wrote about it, and you're taking an article and making the best out of that. You know what I mean? Like it's really. You know, don't get mad at me, bro. <laughs> That's the funny thing. Even on, on Instagram, I'll, like every day I try to post a classic bike and mm-hmm. I'll put like, you know, I'll I'll put a little hashtag or something about something about the bike. I don't get into a big detail thing, but yeah. people get all butthurt about that too. And it's like, I have some personal vendetta against their 95 Kawasaki. It's like, no, I'm just telling you what the thing was like at the time. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Let's take it personal. <laughs> you get some riders uh, that respond to you every now and then on, on Twitter or Instagram? I do actually. That's pretty awesome. You yeah. know, um, McGrath follows me and Carmichael, and you know, it's pretty amazing actually. Almost all my childhood heroes actually interact with me. I mean, it's not like they're at my house for dinner, but they at least know who I am and you know, comment on it. Jeremy's always very gracious and, and leaves comments and stuff. It's that part's been really cool. Yeah, uh, that's like one of the neatest things about the whole deal, I'd say. Um, what kind of bikes did you own? Let's let's go through their bikes real quick. Oh my God. Well, I've owned. I actually made a list one day. I've owned over fifty motorcycles. Yeah, I did. I did too. For Paul. didn't we do one on Pulp, the bikes of our of our lives, right? I I did, but I only listed about ten of them just because I didn't want the article to be like you know fifty thousand words. Yeah. But yeah, I went through like some of the highlights of them over the year. I did leave out the fat cat though, trying to <laughs> save myself the shame that day. But probably a good idea. Which ones would you like? Which ones were your favorite? Um, I would say. If I had to pick one that's like my favorite, I really, really loved. I had an 87 CR125R, which was just a phenomenal motorcycle mm-hmm. on his day. Um, I loved that, uh, as you well know, I loved the 90 um, CR. I had a 125, a 250, and a 590, and I had the same thing, yeah. I, I will say, like, obviously, I struggle with the suspension. I never did get quite, um, get quite right. You know, and it's funny, you, you always make jokes about uh, bump sticks. And actually, there was a guy here in Maryland, bump stick suspension. I had him try to rebound the, <laughs> uh, the suspension on that thing. It never did really help. You should have set him for your um, fat cat. You should have gave him your fat cat. Sit work on this. I should have done that. Put, you know, put some cartridges in the fat cat. Man, it helped. But uh, I love that uh, that CR250R um, and 125 that year was such such great bikes, except for, like I said, the suspension wasn't great. But I yeah. I loved them. I had a lot of success on those I, bikes. I thought the ninety one. Um, I thought the ninety one one twenty five with the different layout with the with the airbox and the shroud and everything. I thought that helped the handling. Now this is a long time ago, but it was basically the same bike with just two fifty style bodywork, and I thought it worked. I thought it helped. I think I think so too. Yeah, if you ride the you know the one twenty five or the five hundred back to back with the two fifty, it. Um, I think the the newer layout is definitely better. You sit up a little 
taller, you can get a little more far forward. You know, I think it probably helps you weight the front a little better. So, yeah, it definitely made a difference. The ergonomics are definitely better on the, um, the 91 style uh, body work for sure. And just to complete the circle, I helped you pick up a 90 project bike, a 1990 CR250 project bike. I did. Yep. I just got it two days ago. I just picked it up. And um, I'm super psyched. I got it started today for the first time. It it's awesome. in good shape. It's in really good shape. It does. It is. It's it's like a, um, it wasn't a garage queen, obviously. It looked like a guy rode it, but um, it's going to need, you know, the same things you'd expect. It's, it's not totally trashed. It's um, right. taking it up. I'm just taking it apart tonight. But yeah, it's uh, in pretty good shape for a 25-year-old bike for what, sure. What'd the wife say? You know, she was actually very supportive because she goes, um, you know, it's funny. She always, uh, she calls this internet thing with the Twitter and the Facebook and all the motocross stuff. Her, my other wife, I spent so much time <laughs> jerking around with it. And she goes, you know what? You need to do something that's going to get you away from the computer because you spend way too much time behind that keyboard. So she was actually uh, pushing me to get something to, to get me out of, away from the keyboard and uh, actually get my hands dirty again a little bit. Did my Project 90 inspire you? It did. It did, as a matter of fact. I really wanted to do something, and uh, I love, you know, I've had a couple of project bikes over the years, but I haven't had one in the last few, and, you know, yeah. and you do that KX, and then getting the Yamaha, I was like, oh, man, I want one of those YZs like you have, too. So. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I got a, Ollie gave it to me, the guy from Alaska, just for free. I had to pay for the shipping, so I'm like, all right, I wasn't planning on doing another project bike, but once that KX was done, it was sweet looking. Like, it looked great. I was pumped. That was that did turn out well, and I, I, I commend you on the Kawasaki because you know my buddy actually has that exact same bike. He's in the middle of restoring it as well, and the Kawasaki typically is a harder to find stuff for. You know, it's yeah, like, yeah. In general, they didn't, especially in the old days, they didn't hold up as well as the Hondas did, and Kawasaki seemed to be less interested in stock and stuff for them over you know well, past couple of years. So yeah, it was a lot of work. You think I, th- I think this Yamaha, I got an '88 Yamaha, and I think it's worse. Uh, the bolts are terrible. Mm-hmm. The part availability, I guess, is a little better, but the quality and the the bike shape was worse. And yeah, I'm struggling with this '88 a little bit. But Pro Circuits had it for six weeks to make a pipe and silencer. So really, yeah. What are they? Are they just trying to do a custom jig? They don't have any. They just don't have any. Yeah, they don't. They had to make wow. an all new pipe, all new jig, and everything to make the pipe. So, um, uh, are you um? For you, yourself, were you looking for the 90 Honda? I mean, I know I passed it on to you, but what models were you looking for? It almost was perfect for you, right? It was right in your wheelhouse. It, it really was. I, I almost bought a 91 mm-hmm. in uh, maybe a little worse condition last year. And if it hadn't have been a six-hour drive to go get the darn thing, the guy would not ship it. It was up, in, up past Pittsburgh. I would have bought it probably last year because I've always had a soft spot in my heart, you know, for the 90, 91 bikes. So if I... I passed on a, um, some guy had a, actually right next to me up in New Jersey, had a 96 earlier this year, and I almost got that, but it was it was almost so clean it wouldn't have been a project. You know, the bike was clean as it was. Right. And I'd rather have something I'm going to have, you know, part of the fun is taking it apart and making it your own and bringing yeah. it back. Dude, 96s and, uh, are played out, too. God, they're so played out. Everybody's got them. You're right. Yeah. You're absolutely right. In the 90s, you know, it, for me, I won my first race on this bike. Is you know, my, I, I love that particular year i love the looks of it i love that that orange mist color yeah which you know, they got away from right after that i, I, like, too. I know you, you and i differ over this but i like that 88 shade i do you know it's so funny I, I was thinking you know i wrote that article up on pulp about the uh 
the best looking bikes ever. Mm-hmm. And and you busted my stones a little bit about my choices. <laughs> in, in hindsight, I actually I think you're right. I, I was a little bit maybe in the ether that day. I wrote that thing, and yeah. I should have put like the '89 ahead of it. I, I should have. My buddies, my best friend's got an '89 CR500. He's completely ground up restored it looks like it came off certain floor and, mm-hmm. and if you put the 90 next to that um, the 89 is a better looking bike it is the, it I is the, yeah. the graphics are so nice and the blood red it's and, a good looking bike and the frame i don't like the white frame that much the white frame in hindsight's a little gaudy yeah right? you know, um, i admit my mistake you're right yeah, no no hey whatever it's all personal choice i'm just just saying yeah you, you did the best looking bikes ever on pulp and you did uh 14 1990 models so <laughs> oh. yeah, at least i <laughs> out of the top three or nineteen ninety, I don't know what I was thinking. But I, I, I will say I do disagree with you, and I still stand by that the ninety RM two fifty is the best looking RM two fifty ever. Ever period. I'm sorry. I think that's the best looking bike. I know what? you didn't love that one, but no, yeah, I think that Cowie. I think that Cowie that I did that. And I, that's part of the reason why I got that thing. It was so cool. Now, when yeah. you got it, it was a little wide. It, it, you know, the motor, the motor was all right. It didn't handle the greatest, uh, but it was just so cool looking. It was so, it was a little bit like the '97 CR250. I mean, remember when that thing came out? It blew everybody's yep. doors off. You know. I agree with you. I, I, if I had to put two bikes that were the most like eye-poppingly, oh my god, the coolest thing ever, it was yeah. definitely that '90 Kawasaki and the '97 CR. And it's ironic that neither one turned out to be like the necessarily the best motorcycle, but yeah. in terms of like curb appeal, right. holy crap! I mean, they're just awesome. So, yeah. are you? What's the plan with this Project 90? Just strip it down? I mean, a powder coat frame? I mean, how far are you going? How much are you spending on it? I don't know. I mean, that's that, that's the question I'm I'm getting into. That's you know, the wife's okay with me uh, buying it, but she may not be okay with me spending six grand to turn right, it into some right. you know stand replica or something stupid. I was probably <laughs> so I, I was probably twenty. I bought the KX for seven hundred down in SoCal. I was probably into it for two grand total, including the price of the bike, including the price of the bike. See, you're 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 already way ahead of me because of course I had to. I had to ship it. Like I paid like you know seven hundred dollars just to ship it from Cali, so that that, yeah. that hurt a little bit. But, <laughs> yeah, that that does um, hurt for sure. I drove down and got it. But, See, it makes it a lot easier. And then when I when you know I sold it, people were bummed on me for not riding it. Well, I think what happens is you get these things done, and then you get them, and you're like, they're not much fun to ride compared to a new bike. New bikes are better to ride. They're more comfy. They're faster. They're tighter. They're better. Like you know, I don't know. That's true. That's true. But, I mean, uh, you know, you know. I, I like it. To me, it's more, I, I like looking at it in the garage and appreciating right. it for what it is. I know full well, yeah, my 05 YZ250 is faster and stops better and better suspension or whatever else. Yeah, you know? yeah, but yeah. It, it's not it's never going to be as cool, at least not until it's 25 years old itself. You know? Are you, and now, now the big the big debate um, that I got, people will, you know, some guys, of course, social media people never happy. But, you know, I put wheels on mine. I put W wheels, I, black rims with a blue hub. And, you know, I put different bars on it. Some people restore these things to stock. And then some people restore mod these things. Which way do you want to go? Uh, I would definitely probably lean towards keeping it stock. Um, I, w- I am of the opinion, like, actually, I was one of those people that I did not like your wheel choice on the KX. I think that kind of was definitely, definitely mis- misguided on your part, but that's okay. I'm, <laughs> Screw um, you, Blazer. <laughs> I, I, I think bikes like that, the cool thing about them is when they look like they're new. Like, you know, if I don't know if you ever saw someone like the, my 9500, you know, it looks like it came off the Sharon floor almost. And that, that's yeah. basically what I'd like to go for. I mean, there's two extremes. Like, if you had access, if I could get a set of HRC 
you know, clamps and HRC covers and yeah. all that stuff to make it look like Stanton's works bike and get, you know, yeah, okay, sure, I'd go that route. But you'd, if you could find the stuff, you'd pay just an astronomical amount of money for it. I mean, I see some of these guys that do, like, McGrath replicas, and I'm mm-hmm. like, holy crap, how much did they spend to make their 96CR look like, you know, Jeremy's works bike? It must yeah. be just ridiculous. Yeah. Um, Dude, I, I, I probably were going to go more the stock route, you know. Dude, I had uh, I had Honda uh, TMV HRC ignition and clutch covers, and I gave them away to Bidas and his buddy. Ah, oh, dude, oh, I so would dumb. Kill for those oh, right I know, because they fit, they fit forever. They were the forever ignition yep. and clutch cover. You know, fit eighteen models. So exactly. Um, Same. Yeah, it's gonna be fun. You'll get into it. I mean, you'll be scotch briding bolts, and you know what I mean, like all that kind of stuff. Replacing bolts, scotch briding bolts, uh, cleaning up the threads, uh, powder coating it, uh, changing all the rubbers, like rubbers in the radiator, uh, in the silencer, uh, you know, everything else. Um, yeah, it'll be. You'll get into it. You'll fall. You'll be more work than you realize. You got to clean those HPP valves. That sucked. That sucked back in 1990. Sucks now. Uh, I I think the because I actually got it started when I first put gas in it. Uh, came off the truck the other day. It uh, started puking gas out of the petcock. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the seal was no good. I'm like, ah, oh, Christ. So then I couldn't get it to to light. And then I I got that sealed up. And then I kicked it over. And it actually started right up with a new plug. But then. Um, it, it, you know, it won't clean out. And right when you, you know, I took it around just around the house here, yeah. it's snappy off the bottom, but as soon as it gets ready to hit the power band and the HPP valve should be opening, it like just goes blubber. So I'm thinking <laughs> that it's probably not opening right. Yeah, Something exactly. is not right inside. So no. Here we go. Tony Blazer on the uh, BTOsports.com RacerX podcast presented by Fox Racing. Listen to this commercial from Racetech Suspension. They got brand new uh, spring conversion kits for your Showa Air Fork. So check them out, Racetech.com. They're killing it with that. And of course, the Michelin Starcross 5. Michelin's introduced a brand new tire, uh, hard, medium, soft, uh, and sand. Michelin Starcross 5 completely redesigned, casing more aggressive self cleaning. Tread design, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Check them out, Michelin Starcross 5. Whatever you thought of the old Michelin tires uh they've changed everything so check them out listen to this commercial and i'll be right back with uh, tony blazer hey thanks for listening to the btosports.com racer x podcast presented by fox racing race tech people racetech.com these guys have been in business for over 30 years supplying racers riders and tuners with factory level suspension to everyday racer there's a lot of top suspension guys in the pits that got their start with race tech uh, trust me on this there's a more than a few guys that have learned underneath paul feed and gone on to uh, to great things paul feed the original suspension guru i guarantee you and probably 82.7% of you people listening to this podcast need some sort of suspension work, whether it's uh, just a simple oil change with new bushings and seals, give your bike some love, whether it's the right spring rate for your weight and or speed, or maybe you just need some revalving on the machine to uh, help you uh, take first place in that Chicken Licks Raceway. Something something uh, on your bike needs attention for Race Tech. I guarantee you. Freeze, Gilmore, some of the guys just using uh, Race Tech Privateer Proven, they work with uh, Ben Lim- also, they're back with Ben LeMay, and uh, they offer a full line of Racetech high-performance springs. These springs are called high-performance because they're extremely lightweight for their rates and feature the tightest tolerances in the industry. You want to save 10% at uh, Racetech? Go to Pulp MX 2015 when you order. You can save 10% at Racetech.com, and they're uh, proud sponsors of this podcast, and we thank you guys. All right, back to the show. Tires are back, people. 
people. MichelinMotorcycle.com. Michelin Starcross 5, brand new, available in hard, medium, soft, and sand. Uh, their off-road tires are some of the best ones out there, and they've revamped this whole lineup. There's no one who knows these tires better than our own, Chris Kiefer. When they're calling it comfort casing technology, what are they talking about? Is this a fancy marketing term or what? No, it's actually the carcass of the tire itself, so how much it flexes or how you know sidewall stiffness that you have when you come into corners. And what's cool about this tire is even from the previous version, the MH3, it gives more. So when you hit square edge or you're coming out of a corner with some bumps, it has some give to it. It's more comfort, so it doesn't feel so rigid. A lot of that has to do with the, the CCT. So you're telling me the comfort casing at the end of the day, maybe it helps you a little bit to have some suspension in tires. Yeah, obviously it's flexing a little bit, but also, too, when you come into corners, you don't want it to roll on you. So they've got that dialed in to where you come into a corner and you still have enough stiffness where it grabs and bites, but yet straight line, you have comfort. Hey, as a former factory mechanic, Kiefer, I know all about mounting tires, um, so no problem for me to mount anything. Right. Well, maybe not a moose. Uh, you found mounting these new Michelin's uh, pretty easy, actually. Yeah, I'm a great test rider, but my mechanic skills are novice at best, so mounting the tire wasn't too bad. They sent me a bunch of tires to mount before testing, and I was out there busting in the garage, and normally you got to put some tires in the sun, let them soften up a little bit, but this, uh, the bead rolls on really nice. I didn't have to struggle. No curse words were, were sworn in the garage, so uh, it was a lot better for me, you know, putting these on. Four versions of this tire. They cover all the uses, Kiefer. Reduced weight, comfort casing technology, mounting, traction, handling. They do it all. Starcross 5, MichelinMotorcycle.com. Thank those guys. Check them out, the local dealer people. These guys know tires, and they know what they're doing. And we're back. BTOSports.com, RacerX Podcast, presented by Fox Racing. Tony Blazer on the line. Yeah, Ben, you'll, uh, you're going to get into it. You're going to get into this restore, and before you know it, you're going to be in the poorhouse, but it'll be fun. <laughs> Um, speaking yeah, of suspension, fine. yeah, you'll have to, you'll probably need to get it done at the, by the folks at Race Tech. I got mine coated. I got the um, Cowie coated. They they did the uh, the dark gold works forks and shock body, and I love that. I thought that was great. So um, that's something you could do. Give it a little factory. Look. I would love to get that done. Yeah, yeah I thought about just seeing because I, I know when we talked about the fact the suspension, the stock suspension is pretty crappy on that thing, and I yeah, I wonder if uh, you know. Race Tech could actually get it sorted with modern technology now. You know, put some gold valves or something. Yeah, I put go, I put gold valves in my 500 that year, 90, and I thought it made a hell of a difference. I always thought the the 500 had pretty good stuff. Uh, maybe I just didn't ride that much, or maybe I rode it better with the bigger motor. I don't know. I I found that I had the hardest time on my on 250 suspension. The 125, you just pin it, kind of bounce off yep. things. And my 500 had gold valves, and I liked it. And the 250s, I just was like, oh, this this thing hurts the palm on my hands. Uh, yeah, it's a hundred percent. I I agree with you one hundred percent. The five hundred actually, I could live with the stock five hundred suspension it, for whatever reason that year. Maybe because you're not on it as hard. You're right. You're not riding it as hard. You got right. to kind of baby the motor a little more. It worked way better. Maybe the weight of the bike. I don't know. Whatever. And the one twenty five, same thing. Stock. Yeah, it's so much lighter, and you just kind of pin it and don't worry about it. The two fifty though just beats you to death. <laughs> and I remember just I, I'd spend all day. Like my my practice track at my house had a real gnarly set of whoops, and I'd just be spinning dials every which direction, trying you know different yep. settings, and it just never would. <laughs> nothing, right. nothing worked. Yeah, no, I agree. Nothing worked. And uh, the suspension oil got dirty really fast. I remember that too. Yep. Yeah, I, oh. I know. It's and it was a you know these days you could go months and months and never worry about it, but that thing after about three weeks, uh, if you didn't change the fork oil, the damping really went away. You noticed a big difference. What uh, what was some of the you know, we talked about ninety CR two fifty that you love? What, what was kind of the worst bikes you owned? I think the well the fat cat obviously would be the number one. But if you if you're gonna count like actual motocross bikes, uh, they're like 
three of them that probably stand out to me. I had an 85, a YZ. I had the 250 there, not the 125. My brother, had my brother loved that thing. He loved it. Well, it, here's what I say about that bike. It had the best 250 motor that year, one of the best 250 motors I've ever ridden. It was a monster motor. It was, yeah. But it, the suspension was just, it's just god-awful. I mean, it's terrible. The, the, I remember the forks back then, you know, they didn't have much adjustment, and you could run air in them and i'd have to i'd have to pump about 10 pounds of air into them just to keep them from just bottoming out over everything and then the shock like i said would kick you in the butt and the 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 tank i don't know if you remember the tank was real wide and you couldn't really get forward in the turns yeah yeah you you sat in that you sat in that thing you didn't sit on it down in a hole yeah it was i could never get the front end weight and it always wanted to push the front end in corners and then the the thing and you hop back and swap it was a disaster um and then i tell you the bike that did I you, actually, hey, wait, um, did, did you leave the bass on or did you take it off? I remember that the Yamaha tech tip thing told you to disconnect it. <laughs> they yep, told you I, that I, their, their big innovation where you push down on the rear brake pedal and it changes the, the rebound, slows the rebound down. They told you to yep. take it apart and they told you to take it off. I love it. <laughs> I, I did disconnect it because here's what would happen when you would land. If your foot hit the brake when you landed off a jump, it would bypass the compression dampening, and the some gun would hammer right to the stops. It would like take all your <laughs> compression away. So if you hit it in the whoops or something like that, it would like cause the the shock to jackhammer. Right. So yeah, it actually worked better without it. it was, I miss the days uh, when these when these manufacturers would have their own suspension system, and their own power valve system, and their bass and their this and that. God, I miss those days. Selling points of things that they tried to do, the ATAC chamber and all that. It, yeah, you know, you look at now all the bikes now, and they they all pretty much use the same kind of linkage design. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you know, the, the obviously the Yamaha is pretty innovative with the way they've done their motor, but most of the bikes are all kind of the same. And you're right, like in in the early '80s, they all use completely different shock designs and yeah. linkage designs, and they were all trying crazy stuff. It was, and then one what was amazing is um, you'd have it one bike like you look at the Hondas one year they have you know a one specific year like the 84 cr 500 r that bike is only built that one year no other bike they from 83 the the kickstarters on the other side and then in 85 they went the water cooling yeah yeah can you i mean they keep look at suzuki it's the same basic bike since 08 and then honda was literally redesigning the bike every year it's just crazy yeah yeah nuts nuts um and what other bikes didn't you like uh uh, I tell you another one that I absolutely hated was I had a 1995 Suzuki RM250, um, and that thing was just a death trap. It, it spit me off so many times. It was like um, it's one that you know even the pros. I remember Albie and Huffman and I, I, at the time. I was like I, I could see why they kept crashing because the thing just would put you on your head all of a sudden. It mm-hmm. felt like it had a hinge in the middle. It was <laughs> it, the, something about the chassis was just weird. It would it, it would suddenly like you go into a corner and it would like like knife oversteer and put you over the bars. You're like, whoa, whoa what happened? You that know, had the cartridge? That's had uh, right, side, right side up forks? Or what did that have? No, it had the upside down upside the twin chambers. The second year for the twin What year chambers. was it? That's Sorry, what year did you say? 1995. Oh, five. Okay, yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. The, the first year Albie was on the team. Yeah. And it, it was... It, it had actually pretty good suspension. The suspension actually was pretty decent, but the, the handling was terrible. And the bike, I was coming off my Honda, and my five-year-old Honda was faster and so much broader powered it had that case reed suzuki motor and it was like it was like no bottom and then mm-hmm. it hit like a ton of bricks and then it would sign off it was like this massive explosion like some 125 on steroids i hated that thing. it was terrible <laughs> the uh it's funny how in in the 80s and 90s too 
Suzuki turn quick, uh, lots of top, lots of top end, no bottom. You know, like they had their own little traits. They all had their traits. It is true. Yeah, you, you don't see that as much anymore. Yeah, no. Bikes, like they, uh, you knew what Suzuki, what Suzuki would be like. You knew what a Honda would be like. It'd be fast. And the yeah. Forks would stink. And Cowie's a little you know, bigger. Motor's good though. Yeah. You know, but Yamaha was slow. Like Yamaha bad. bikes were slow for the most part. <laughs> like that's true. Yeah, they um, had a lot more personality, and they kind of just stuck to their personality. More, yeah. it seems like my uh, my worst bike was the '89 KX125, which I wrote about. You did a plastic steel on it, and I wrote, I added a little thing on the bottom. Um, God, I hated that thing. So slow, fat, had the radiator on one side, uh, stripped out bolts, broke foot peg springs, broke bolts, broke gas tank. Slow as shit. Even after I got sent sent the pro circuit and got a cylinder and a head and a pipe and silencer, just terrible bike. Oh my god bad i remember my, my one of my friends had one it was a terrible bike i, I rode it, it was like so slow i remember the uh the mxa test was like this is a great lap time motor i.e slow not not right. not thrilling at all so they probably didn't want to piss off the the first cowie guys you know whatever they they were they didn't tear it apart that bad and then when i got it i took i, su- I took it out to the sand dunes for my first ride that year you know in Can- canadian canada we couldn't ride right away first ride i came back i said to my dad i think something's wrong something might be wrong here because it's not going anywhere in this deep sand it, it- it's not going anywhere <laughs> so yeah it wasn't good and plus you had that goofy one-sided radiator that looked retarded yeah yeah great. Yeah, I struggled, struggled back then, the Cowie. Uh, that just, just, yeah, it wasn't good. Like I said, even spending $1,000 on a cylinder and head work did nothing. Did nothing. And then I sent my 91 CR125 cylinder head to Pro Circuit, which, by the way, it's hilarious that Jimmy Perry, you know, my boss at Yamaha, probably ported my cylinders in the early 90s, late 80s, because that's what his main job was, right? Um, I sent my 91 cylinder and head there, and it was so fast. They did such a good job with it. I mean, they had it, they started with a great bike. And then the motor was so fast, so it was just one of those deals. Well, I figured they, were, they probably had that bike thought. They were doing Jeremy's bikes that year and stuff, so they, yeah. they probably knew what the hot setup on. Was bike was and well, and it, they knew you know four. T- they knew I was a Manitoba champion at that point too, so they you know probably gave me the good stuff. So exactly, you did the full works treatment. Yeah. Um, well, good luck with this project bike, man. So I, I, I predict the Tony. Bla- I predict a Tony Blazer divorce by twenty seventeen. <laughs> full probably divorce. Right. It, yeah, yeah, hey, exactly. uh, make I, sure I make sure when you, if you do powder coat the frame, you get Honda white. It's a different shade. Don't just go and go white. It's a little it really. Yeah, yeah. I remember this. I remember this. It's a it's, it's like a, a special get, get the yeah get the code. You know, it's online. I'm sure Honda white code. Um, just you just can't say hey, give me white. It'll be different. So. Um, well, thanks. I didn't realize that. Yeah, well, that's what I'm here for. You sent me all those photos for Project 88 for the when I was having those front brake issues. So uh, that was a that was a daily call to you to say, hey, do you have any photos of the left side of the right side? Because that bike I got had two different front ends and three different types of parts on the front. So uh, that was a, that was actually fun trying to figure out what was going on there. I was like, do you have the wrong fork? Do you have the wrong wrong disc? Like, the wrong caliper? On? Wrong forks? Wrong right. disc? Everything and trying to figure out which which of these things didn't work. Um, podcast, real quick. Let's touch on some podcast. Uh, which one did you like? Which ones have you liked lately that that we've done? Um, I, well, I was thinking that some of my favorites are actually some of the ones you did um, like a while back. My favorite last year was probably the one you did with Rick Johnson. I I, I grew up being a super fan. He was like, you know, my yeah. Ross Patterson was Rick right. Johnson. He was like my guy. And um, 
Rick is obviously always a great interview, and uh, he's a, how good is he great, as an interview? How podcast. good how good is he on a, on a radio interview or whatever? Right? So good. He's you know he's so good, and it, you know he was always good with the crowds and stuff, and you can see it now. But he is just it was an awesome awesome uh, podcast. I enjoyed the heck out of that one. And he was honest too. He's really honest about Starbeck and all that kind of stuff. I love that. Uh, you know, yeah. talking about the stuff that went down with Fox and JT, and I remember reading about all that stuff in the magazines. Yeah. You know, way back then, it was always interesting to me, and, and to hear him talk about it is always, you know, really enlightening. It's old now, but I really liked the Bradshaw one I did a long time ago. I love that one. Yeah. I tell you, one of my favorites too is the one you did with Dave Arnold. I, I, yeah, I, I did two of them. One you did with him. I did two of them. What a memory he had. Jeez. I know. Really good. You know what's, what was a good one, too, surprisingly, was you did one with Lackey that I thought was really interesting. Um, he's got a hell of a memory, too. Surprising. Yeah, yeah. I'm sure there was a lot of uh, illegal drugs used in <laughs> when oh, Brad Lackey well. was racing, but you're right. Yeah, you're <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it's funny because I think back myself, you know, um, could I remember, like, I, you know, all their races are indelible in my mind because these are my heroes. I remember, oh, you know, RJ won this race or whatever else. But I think back myself, I'm like, well, do I remember what place I got in 1993 at such and such a race? And I'm like, mm-hmm. no, I don't. It does. You know, if I'm actually that guy on the phone trying to recount this stuff, it'd be pretty hard for me, you know. So some of these guys, it's pretty amazing what they do remember, you know. There's a couple of racers, though, that post on Instagram that talk about, they show a photo of themselves and then they talk about the race. And I'm like, I was there. That didn't happen. <laughs> I was, th- but whatever, you know. Well, yeah. maybe they at least know what bike it is. Unlike Matasovich, you can't see. Oh, uh, poor chicken! <laughs> poor chicken! Um, yeah, you know when I showed up to for him to ride it, he still didn't believe me, right? You know all that, right? I told you that. Oh God! Yeah, you, yeah. you called me after it happened. I, when, when he was talking on, when you were talking to him on the podcast, I was shouting at the radio in my car. Because you kept you kept trying to nudge him. I don't think that's right. Yeah, you know? yeah. <laughs> he was, Dude, he was he was I'm standing like, oh, to oh, it. Oh. Yeah, he was sticking to it that it was not a, <laughs> not a ninety. Uh, I'm like chicken. You won the supercar. You almost won the supercar title ninety on this bike right here, perimeter frame. No, nah, dude, they screwed it up with the perimeter frame. No, 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 chicken. No, no, no. Um, that's unbelievable. Yeah, it's uh, it's pretty funny when you when you go back and and talk to these guys. You know now, and and, and things change, memories and things like that. So, um. Who who haven't I who haven't I ta- talked to that you would like to hear from? Is there anybody that stands out? Uh, well, yeah. I mean, obviously, you're not going to get him, but I would love to hear from Larry Ward. I mean, Dude. I was always fascinated by him in general. Dude. Dude. Long career, I was always a Ward fan. Let me show you my text scrolling to Larry Ward over the years, if I could somehow do it. Uh, he doesn't want to do it. He just does not want to do it. I talked to him on the phone for that Triple X story that I did. You know, um, right? And he was good with that. I recorded it, everything else. He was good. And I called him, a, talked to him on the phone a couple times about doing a podcast. And he's just like, I don't want to do it. I don't want to do it. Nobody cares. I don't want to do it. And I'm like, I don't know. I don't, I, yeah, it's frustrating. You know, part of it is like, I know some stuff about Larry, like off the track. And like, I think he thinks like I might bring that up. Oh, I, I, him out. Well, I think he thinks it's live for one. And for two, I think he thinks I'm going to blow him out on this stuff that kind of is a little shady. Larry was a world's famous coxman, as we know. Sure. Um, Absolutely. And I told him, he said, he made a joke about that. And maybe he was just joking. I said, Larry, I would never bring that up. 
this is a podcast about your career that was tremendous, and it's about racing and your different races and your stories and everything else. Not going to bring up anything that, you know, I, I don't know. He was joking, but yet maybe he was serious. Do you know? So, right. yeah. So that was, uh, maybe that's it. I don't know, but I don't see that Larry Ward thing happening. I would, yeah, I would love to definitely hear that one. I'd say one I did enjoy this year a lot and um, was Dave Despain. Um, yeah. And he was good. You know, growing up in that, in that era, you know, watching him on ESPN. And I would love to have you doing with Larry Myers, too, because those two guys were very entertaining and, I think he can, you know, definitely be a good listen as well. Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I did. Anybody else other than Larry? You didn't? Did you do one with Larry Myers? No, no. I mean, other one. No, other than Larry. Larry and Larry. Ward and uh, Myers. Other than Larry's? Man, I don't know. You know. Don't say, Car- don't say Carmichael. Don't say Carmichael. Well, I mean, obviously. That would be interesting. <laughs> just listen to you all tell each other to F off for like 20 minutes. <laughs> just start screaming into the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> Tell them you're going to shoot him in the face and stuff. That'd be good. That'd be interesting. Right. Um, I tell you, have you ever done with Christoph Porcel? No, he doesn't like me either. Oh, well. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, obviously, you might not be able to understand half of what he says, but well, be, he's even an interesting guy. You know, he's yeah. a strange guy. Yeah, he's, he's a strange cat. There's no doubt about it. Um, you know, when people have, when the media guys have tried to do interviews with him, he's told them no. He'll t- he's told them he'll do it over email, and then, like, his girlfriend will write the email. And you're like, okay, well, right, forget it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, whatever. Like, yeah, what's the point, right? Yeah, what's exactly. the point? So, but you know, I think he's changing a little bit. Like, I do think he's a little bit different now. I think he's a little more grounded than what he was. Some of the stories I've heard about him for these different teams, just phenomenal. Like, phenomenally thinking he's just Jesus. You know, I'm just like, oh, this guy. So, um, but that one's well, that was not going to happen either, Blazer. So, <laughs> sorry. Yeah, well, it's not I mean, really working just, out you know, here. I, <laughs> well, you asked me for my wish list. No, I know. Realistic. <laughs> I know. I'm with you. So, yeah, it. Uh, one thing that I think though, like, like, should I go back and redo some of these? I don't really want to. I really don't want to. But um, there's so many new listeners. These are. I've done these in 08, 09, 2010. You know, they're five years, five, six, seven years old. And yep. I think to myself, like people, like I just got asked the other day, did you ever do a Ron Tishner one? Or I'd like to hear from Tishner. Did it. Talk to him. You know, uh, great guy, RT is. And um, I don't know. Like, I don't want to do them again, but I almost feel like, listen, people, check the effing archives. Check the archives. Well, I, I will say that um, you have gotten a lot better at it. You know, if you go back and listen, because when I was, uh, I went back and checked out some of the classic ones and stuff, and mm-hmm. um, I've listened to them all over time, but even I don't remember that, oh, gosh, he did do that. You know what I mean? I was yeah, scrolling, yeah. scrolling yeah. through them, and I forgot you had done one. And um, I, I, I think I would, that one I would like to hear. Because um, actually, I tried to listen to it the other day, but it was not what I expected. It was um, Don Maeda over at uh, Transworld. Yeah. Because I enjoyed the ones you do with like some of the um, guys like Guy B and uh, Davey and some of the guys in the magazine industry and right. stuff. Tried to do and Jody, by the way. Called Jody up. He basically hung up on me. That's another one yeah. I would love to. Yeah, he's another guy that's just an enigma. It's such a strange, fascinating guy. You know, um, that would be a good podcast if he would do it, but obviously he won't. Um, maybe because of the Racer X thing. Who knows? Uh, but yeah, someone like Don, you know, he. he he had uh, a pretty interesting career path there with going to Dirt Rider and then starting, you know, uh, MX Racer, a yeah. magazine that I thought was awesome. Started at Cycle News, actually. Yes, yeah. started at Cycle News first. Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's right. 
And I was like, you did you did a podcast with him, but it turns out you guys were just rapping about the Dallas Supercross. Uh, you know, we weren't really talking about his career path and the magazine. I think that would be a really I've, interesting one. You caught, I did one with the career path. You got to check the archives. Did you? Yeah, yeah. I, did, I went and looked for it the other day. When well, I, pulled it up, it was, I think there's some that I, the race. I do think we've lost some. We've lost a few. I, I blame Swiss Corps. But, um, or oh, Moser, well. one of them. Or uh, tits. Uh, or tits. Yeah, blame tits. We've... We've lost some, I think, over the years. So I don't know what happened to him. Nobody seems to know. Maybe that's one of the lost ones, you know? But, no, I, I, I'm i pretty sure I've done that one. I'm pretty sure. Uh, huh. You know what? I saw one with his brother. but I, you know, Yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I did. Lost, I remember right? Don's story. Like, I remember talking to him about the story, you know? Um, I need to find this. Uh, Grant Langston, too. Never done one with Grant Langston. Got to get that one. It'd probably be four hours Oh, long. my God. Yeah. That would be great because he's always entertaining when he does you know, yeah. anything on DMXS or anything. So he'd definitely be a good interview. Yeah, he uh, it'll be four hours long. So he'll just go on. <laughs> a lot on. of good stories, though. No, I know. Stories. No, he just talks a lot, but that's fine. No, I'm okay with that. So, <laughs> um, all right. What, what what do you got coming up for Classic Steel? What are you working on? Let's see here. I have a couple of them working on. Um, I have. Uh, one almost done. It's going to be, let's see, what was it on? Uh, the 92 KX 125 is going to be the next one that uh, I'm almost finishing up. I think, is that the one Swiss Corps had? Swiss Corps did have it. Maybe I should hit him up and see if he wants to put some commentary You should, on. yeah, ask him. Um, I think you should, uh, I think you should stick to those shootout stuff too. Like I gave you that idea and we did a couple. I love those. Actually, I have a lot of fun with that. Just seeing how the different bikes rank from the different magazines. Like, you know, back in the 80s, we had five, I, we we did one where we took all those shootouts for for a particular bike for a particular year on all the bikes, and like literally we have five or six guy sources like MXA yep. dirt bike dirt rider super motocross cycle news maybe even another one you know so it's kind right. of interesting. Maybe I'll do that next. Yeah, because I enjoyed actually that a lot. I know I did one and you um, you did one and we've done a couple of them. And it's it's interesting to see. I was always fascinated by just how. They could all have such differing opinions on the same bike, too. That's always interesting to me as well. It's like, how could one guy rake it first and another guy said it's terrible? And I'm always wondering, it's like, was there something wrong with their test bike? Or <laughs> well, sometimes, I mean, talking to some of these guys now, they'd pull the cylinder off and just clean it up a little bit before it went to the magazine, you know? Sure. Um, I'm sure some of that went on. I got a recommendation for you for, like, Instagram photos. Yeah. All right. You're too random. You're too all over the map. You need to do like, do you post every day? You post try to try to post every day. Oh yeah, I post I post uh, four or five times every day. Yeah, you got to stick to like either a year or a brand or something. You know what do you mean? You mean per day? Yeah, you're saying like I just want me to post Honda photos like I, for I, a day. You know I think you should post five years of CR two fifties, or or. Uh, like one day be like, okay, this is 1987 today. Here's Johnny O in 87. Here's RJ 87. Here's an 87 KX 250. Like you're too random. Now look at me. I sound like one of those guys on social media. I'm upset. I'm upset with your free content blazer. Well, you know, to be honest, what I do is I try, if you notice, you, you know, if you've noticed, I try, I start out the day with like some really old school stuff. I usually post something from the seventies or something, and then I'll post like a bike and then I'll post something from the nineties or I, I kind of try and the randomness is cause I'm not sure, 
you know, from because every, everybody likes different things, you know, and like I figure I don't want to be pigeonholed. Like I, I could, I could easily could just post my graph photos from the '90s, but yeah, I want to try and well, just appeal to other people in different, you know. And then you say, listen, stick around for tomorrow when we profile another year or rider or bike, you know, and make it a That's theme. An Give it a theme. I can. I mean, I, I can certainly do that. I have plenty of photos. I can certainly do that. Yeah, give and give yeah, me and give me like, fucking credit for it if you do it. Like as a genius here. Um, <laughs> this is the Mathis post. Just you know, here's a uh, here's all the eighty eight two fifties all throughout the day. You know, here's a uh, here's the uh, CRs one twenty fives from eighty seven to ninety one. Whatever. I don't That's know. A good idea. So I'm like, give it a theme, Blazer. So you think I'm too random? Okay. I tell you what I am working on. I'm I did that Kawasaki uh history of Kawasaki. Yeah. For, yeah. for you a while back. I'm, yeah. I'm actually probably halfway through the Honda one. I'm doing the Honda one next. So I'm I'm kinda of filling my spare time with putting that together. So <laughs> how about having another one of those coming you, up. You missed the model in the Cowie though. You were very upset. What? Didn't you? Oh. I think didn't you miss a model? Oh, I probably did. Yes, I did. When the first thing I did, I did this one. You, you know, it's so it's like hundred, like a hundred. Oh, I know, I know. I know. <laughs> it was cr- but it was crushing to you. <laughs> yes, I was trying to, because I, I, I honestly, like, I always look at this like I'm trying to create some kind of a like an online resource for this stuff. Like, if somebody wants to see what these bikes look like, and, and so I, I want to. It's important to me to be thorough because because um, I'm uh, anally obsessive about that, I guess, for whatever reason. But right. I'm, I'm a completist in that way. It's like, if I'm going to do this, I'm going to do it right. That's why I take so much time with it. Um, so, yeah, if I do screw up, it does torque me. I'm like, uh, <laughs> it's like, you know, when people, if I misspell something on Instagram, you know, everybody's like, I, I go back 10 minutes later, I got five guys telling me, I was like, oh, for the love of Christ. Okay, great. Yes, I did misspell that. I'm sorry. <laughs> Pardon me, you know. Yeah, yeah, sorry, bro. Get your money back. <laughs> exactly. Here's your refund. Right. Yeah. No doubt. Uh, anything else? No, I think I'm good. Think you're good. All right. Um, cool. Tony Blazer on uh, Twitter and Instagram. Pulpamex employee. Um, good stuff, man. Fun times. Good. To- good to look back at those photos. And if you're a magazine and you get mad, suck it. Put it up yourself. <laughs> Put it up yourself if you're mad at Blazer for scanning and putting them up people I appreciate um that. well thanks uh thanks blaze appreciate it the btosports.com racer x podcast presented by fox racing uh we'll do another one of these sometime soon let's write down some topics and keep talking about it good luck with project uh 90 absolutely and you're going to document you're going to you're going to document that on pulp too right yep yep i got the article the first installment mostly written and then i'll be uh, probably going up in the site next couple of days awesome man well hey thanks a lot thanks a lot for everything you do for pulp mx and uh and for the moto fans across the world it's uh, it's pretty cool stuff and uh yeah i mean again I, I pay you but it's not very much and and the twitter and instagram stuff you get zero dollars for so um you know you're doing it out of love and i think that's really cool you can tell that you know well thanks man i appreciate you saying that no worries all right blaze see you man All right, take care. Later. This has been the BTOsports.com podcast show presented by Fox Racing. Don't forget to check out some of our past shows, including motocross legends such as The Bad Boy, Rick Johnson. 
look down and my hand was junk. I mean, yeah. it was sitting over to the side. The tendons were jerking in weird places. And my biggest disappointment with Danny Sorbet because that he never said sorry. Because Danny and I were friends, and we've never talked since. Brian Lunas. Before the 500 event, Dave and I fly to Germany, go down to Stuttgart. There's this little shop out the back of the mall factory. We get our cylinders, take them back, and, you know, off we go. And, you know, we ran Nicosil Cylinders as a factory part for a handful of years before anybody ever saw it in production. Dave Arnold. And, and McGill was all, you know how he did the big pancake thing? Right. And, right. and he's got the thing, he's completely laying on the gas tank trying to miss his tree. I mean, he would have gone even harder, jumped farther if that tree hadn't been, you know, yeah. if, if it hadn't been there. The Hurricane Bob Hanna. I love the guy. I don't dislike. I think he's the greatest competitor this sport ever had. That absolutely 100% in my mind. I firmly believe that statement I said about these modern-day guys in Switzerland or Poland or Belgium on 45 minutes on the same bike. You're not beating Roger. Are you crazy? They're not doing it. If they think they're so much better nowadays than they were in those days, they're fools. They're different bikes, different times. The Beast from the East, Damon Bradshaw. It got to the point where I didn't want to leave home, and once I got to the race, I wasn't into it. If I wasn't going to give 100%, I'm not going to take the money. The working class hero, Doug Henry. It was definitely an emotional moment for me, just thinking to myself, that's it, you know, and it's, it's amazing the stuff that goes through your head in a short amount of time of the things that, you know, that I was going to miss. The daughter, Ron Machine. Until you really open your ears and you want to listen to what they're saying, it's like being a dead horse, you know, and I know from personal experience, did anybody ever sit me down? Of course they did. Everybody did. Pro Circuits, Mitch Payton. There's two ways to make the money. One is you can sign for money, or two, you can earn the money. I'm a high believer in earning the money. I think they ride better when they earn the money. Seven-time Jeremy McGrath. I was so mad, like so disappointed and so frustrated that I had pulled piss and I left. Every point counts. I could kick myself to this day for not just riding around in tents. Been no problem. My, my ego got in the way, you know? The O Show, Johnny Omar. Stuff that you could, you'd sit there if you didn't even want to ride it, you just wanted to just look at it all day. I mean, I got a chance to test all that. I like that era I was in. I really do. Search Pulp MX in the iTunes store to enjoy these and over 500 more great motocross podcasts. The days and the months and the years go by.